Hey church, we just heard an incredible message that we believe is for you. So get ready to be encouraged, to be strengthened. This will change your life. We love you so much. Hey, listen, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 35. Mark chapter 10, verse number 35. We'll read 35 to 37. Then we're going to skip down to verse 41 and go all the way to verse number 52. If you didn't bring your Bibles with you, we'll put the Scripture on the screen for you as well. It says, this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. They, they came to Jesus. They said to him, uh, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> Those of you who have kids, you know what this is like right here. They're, Just say yes before I even ask my request. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. So we want some positions of power. We want positions of influence. We want to be individuals that, that are known. Skipping down to verse 41, when the other 10 heard about this, they became indignant. I like that word with James and John. They're upset. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Uh, a quick insertion here. Uh, do you see how Jesus did not tell them, don't be great? Sometimes in Christianity, we can think that Jesus does not want us to be great. He does not have a problem with greatness. He has a problem with motive and how they're trying to go about being great. Jesus says, if you want to be great, here's, here's the game plan. Serve. This is, this is what our Savior does, is he says everyone can be great because everyone can serve. That was free. That was free. <laughs> For the Son of Man, he's saying, talking about himself, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that's why we call everybody who serves here our serve team, just reminding us that we are in step and in sync with our Savior, following in the path of Jesus. Well, now continue on with me. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. I, I, I like that the first time he calls, Jesus doesn't respond. It's the second time that he calls. I just want to encourage you to keep praying. 
I want to encourage you that the first time it might not happen, but you just got to keep on praying. You got to keep on knocking. You got to keep on trusting. Don't lose heart right now. Jesus is telling you, keep on trusting. Keep on calling. I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So the second time he calls, Jesus stops. And he said, call him. So the call to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I, I want to see. I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. If you're looking for a title for today's message, it is Roadside Assistance. Roadside Assistance. I, I want to, real quick, again, everyone in Antigua, Bishop Arts here at White Rock, I, I want to say thank you to everyone who is with us for the first time. And those of you who might not be used to church or even maybe church like this, and we're singing all these songs today, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is a massive karaoke uh, that is going on right now. But what we're really doing is taking some time out to remind our hearts that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the focus for all of us. And And like people would applaud at a concert or a game, and they would do it for someone who's finite. We worship for someone who is infinite, someone who actually has the power to take us from death to life. So we just take this moment out in the beginning to get our hearts ready to open up this Bible that we do not believe is a book of fables at all or just a book of stories, but is the inspired word of God, a love letter, a piercing love letter to the soul of humanity to point us to the person of Jesus and help us become who he wants us to be. So we're going to unwrap these scriptures today, and we're going to grow a little bit so that we can become more who Jesus wants us to be. In this passage of Scripture here, there are two stories that come together. The gospel writer here, Mark, puts these stories together of the disciples having this interaction with Jesus, and and two of them uh, jockeying for position. Notice that, that in the first section, the question, Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? It's the same question that he asks blind Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? The gospel writer here, I think, puts these stories together. Uh, It's a little bit of a motive check, if you will, because the first group is seeking position and power, but that's not blind Bartimaeus. He is not motivated by fame or power. He's motivated by faith. So the second group gets what they're asking for. Blind Bartimaeus gets what they're asking for. The first group, they... They just have to be rearranged in the thought process for a second. Then the Bible goes on to say, then they came to, came to Jericho. There's a large crowd, and, and Mark has it that they're leaving Jericho. Uh, Matthew and Luke have it that they were coming into Jericho. But regardless, Jericho seems to be the place where this story happens for this blind Bartimaeus. And, and those of you who are Bible folks in here, you'll remember that Jericho is the place in the Old Testament that was the first city that the children of Israel, they, they tore down the walls. God used their praise to tear down the walls. They shouted 
at the walls, and the walls came tumbling down. It was them about to enter into their promised land. It's like the gospel writer here is giving us a nod and a wink that some walls are about to come down. He's letting us know that there has been some barriers set up, but in just a little while, another shout is about to happen, and this shout is going to tear down walls of blindness. And I just wanted to lift your faith today to remind you that in this place, God is going to tear down some walls today. Walls of depression and anxiety and fear, walls of pornography and insecurity, walls of, of doubt and walls of shame, walls of condemnation. Today, I just want to lift your heart and your mindset and your faith to think, to remember that Jesus is, is walking in this place today, right past you. He's ready in this moment to, to bring miracles. Do you, do you see how, how blind Bartimaeus shouts? He says, he says, son of David, son of David, son of David. He says it a couple of times. Uh, for those of you who were here last week, you will remember, you will remember that we talked about uh, the book of Ruth. Do you remember this? Uh, I asked you to read it. There's four chapters. Okay, so some people are clapping. Some people are doing this right here. I asked you to read through the book of Ruth. You remember as we walked through it last week, uh, all the pain and the, the heartache that Naomi went through and all the difficulty that Ruth went through as well, losing loved ones, all the struggle, all the famine that they went through. But then God, in his grace and in his sovereignty, took all of their pain, mixed it together, and still brought about the Savior of the world. Do you remember that? That Boaz and Ruth got together. And they had a son and named him Obed. Then Obed had Jesse. Then Jesse had David, and then generations later, Jesus would be known as the son of David. And here in this gospel, blind Bartimaeus is shouting, son of David, have mercy on me. It's an announcement that I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you're the one that we've been waiting for. I believe that you have the power to do what everyone says you have the power to do. Son of David, have mercy on me, son of David, have mercy on me. But then uh, uh, the, the story's interesting to me um, for a bunch of reasons. One, we don't usually get the names of the people Jesus heals. Uh, usually they're, they're, they're not known. Uh, it's, uh, it's a woman or it's a man or we know them by their issue or struggle, the woman with the issue of blood. There was a man who was amongst the tombs and he was demon-possessed. We don't, we don't usually get their names, but in this particular story, we, we get the name. His blind Bartimaeus. Uh, his name, Bar, means son of, son of Timaeus. So, so we get his name. So there's a nod here that maybe perhaps his father is a man of influence. We don't know that for sure. But it seems as if people would know, the gospel writer here is thinking people would know who this is. So they, they know the dad. But the son, the son is begging on the side of the road. 
You have a father that's probably known, but a son that's now begging on the side of the road. A, a family that's distinguished and, and people know their name, but then a son who goes another direction and for whatever reason ends up begging. And you see this, uh, this tension here. You see this young man who did not dream for his life that he would be begging on the side of the road, but his blindness has, has cast him aside, and now he is left to, to ask for alms, to be on the side of the road with a sign and asking people that pass by just for a handout, just to give them a little something. You drive past these people just like I do. Not knowing their story, not knowing that's someone's son, that's someone's daughter. We can turn our noses up so quickly, but we forget that there was a day that someone held that person in their arms and maybe even prayed prayers for that person. And now this individual's on the side of the road talking to themselves, disheveled, clothes dirty. Don't, don't uh, dehumanize individuals just because they don't look or smell like you. And, and in this moment here, you've got a man He's blind on the side of the road. Maybe people walk past him and go, oh, that's Timaeus' son. We know his dad. Maybe people have made fun of him. Because now he's blind and he's begging. In Christ's day, um, beggars and, and lepers and, and individuals that were on the outside of society would, would hang out together. Uh, they, they would have communities. They would connect together because they were all banished. They were not allowed to, to be in certain places. They could not do certain things. There was even, if you were a leper, you had to be away a, a certain, uh, it's actually 50 paces, you had to be away from other individuals. So, so in Christ's day, these individuals who are broken are, are all together. It would be like homeless people living in a community by themselves because we, right, we don't want them near us, so we push them over to this other side of town. And now you've got this one man, blind Bartimaeus, who, who's used to hanging out with other beggars. But it's not just beggars that end up hanging out together. It's actually everyone who's the same ends up hanging out together. Even if you have some brokenness in your life, brokenness, if you've walked through a loss in any way, maybe you've lost a loved one and you find out somebody else lost a loved one as well. There's interesting how there's a connection that happens there. It's interesting how, how if you have gone through a, a foreclosure and you find out somebody else has gone through a foreclosure, you're not, you're not happy that you went through the foreclosure, but you're just happy that there's somebody that understands what it's like to walk, to walk through what you walked through. If you had to bury a, a husband or a wife or you had to bury your, your, your cousin or your best friend and you find out someone else has the same struggle as you, there's just a connection that happens there. But, but it's not just with brokenness. It's with doctors like to hang out with doctors and nurses like to hang out with nurses and musicians like to hang out with musicians and, and athletes like to hang out with athletes and former athletes like myself. <laughs> Old guys now like to hang out with former athletes. Same. Attracts same. 
But, but here's the problem with saying. When you end up just being in the same all the time, you can end up dumbing down the potential for something different. Because you're around the same all the time, you can begin to think that this is what the world is actually like, and this is how everybody thinks, and this is how everybody looks, and this is how everybody functions. So, so in order for you to become who God is calling you to be, I'm okay with same, hanging out with same, but don't let same keep you stuck. Don't let same keep you in the same broken mindset that you've had your whole life. Don't let same keep you thinking the way that you've always thought. Don't let same having you pray the same prayers that you've always prayed because if you're just around same and everybody has been betrayed by a man and all you're doing is talking about how dogs, how men are like dogs, but God has a Boaz over here for you. You could miss who God has for you because you're just stuck in the same. So I, I want you to be willing and free to say, hey, I love all of you, and I'm okay that we've walked through what we've walked through, but I need to let you know that I don't think this is all that God has for me. And blind Bartimaeus in this moment, blind Bartimaeus, maybe around other beggars, says, I'm not staying here forever. I'm not staying stuck here forever. I'm not staying in this spot forever. Someone is coming across my path that I think can do something for me that I cannot do for myself. I, I appreciate all of you right here, but, but I've got to step up. And what he's actually doing in this moment is he's actually giving hope to the other beggars that are around him. He's actually letting them know that there's another path, there's another way for you, that you don't have to stay like this forever. And if you're willing... If you're willing to shout, if you're willing to speak up when nobody else is willing to speak up, if you're willing to praise when no one else is willing to praise, if you're willing to persevere when no one else is willing to persevere, if you're willing to worship when no one else is willing to worship, if you're willing to work when no one else is willing to work, if you're willing to stand up when no one else is willing to stand up, if you're willing to speak up when no one else is willing to speak up, I'm telling you that you'll actually give hope to a whole bunch of people that are just like you, and you could be the blind Bartimaeus in your same. So here, this man has the audacity to shout. He has the audacity to lift his voice, has the audacity to begin to cry out. And when he cries out, the crowd is fascinating. Oh, man, the crowd. The crowd is like our world. Here's a person who's broken and hurting, and, and what they do is they try to shush him. Shh. Shh. They try to silence him. They're trying to tell him, be quiet. We don't need to hear from you. Quiet. Shh. Um, we, we have... Uh, some relationships with individuals that have walked through um, domestic violence. Uh, they, they've, 
They've been on, some ladies that have been on the wrong side of, of a man's anger and his power. They use it to intimidate and to strip and to hurt. And this one particular friend of mine that I'm thinking about uh, right now is willing to speak up about this, but, but she has found that before it kind of became um, uh, infiltrated pop culture, because, you know, now so many different things have happened. Now people are kind of awakening awaking to the fact that this is actually happening uh, in our world, but it's been happening for, for a really long time and, and going unnoticed by many. But, but she's speaking up and she's finding out that there's not always a ton of enthusiasm connected with changing laws and connected with changing procedures. I actually don't think it's because people don't care. I'm believing the best. I think it's because we just have a system that's set up that says, hey, things are going the way that they're going, and anybody that ever tries to step up to do something different than the system, they're always going to be silenced because the system just works the way the system has always worked, and the system does not like to change when the system is set in a certain particular direction. It's not just true for abuse victim. It's true if you want to start a company. You want to get something off the ground and you have a dream that you say, hey, I want to get this company, but I want to have a company that really honors employees. I want to have a company, matter of fact, that puts the customer first. Revelation nowadays. This, I, I, want to have a, I want to have a company that really honors every single person that walks through the door. That's the type of company I want to have. I want a people-first company. Understand that the system is set up not for people first, but for money first. So if you want to get anything off the ground and you want it to be different than the way things currently are, you have to understand that there will be silencers. There will be individuals that push against you. And if you're not ready for the silencers, then you're not ready to get that thing off the ground and you're not ready to start something new. But if you can have the determination in your heart right now that God called me to do this, that this is, he put me on this earth for such a time as this, that this is my mandate, this is my call, this is my destiny. I don't care if the crowd is trying to tell me to shut up. I'll shout all the more. I'll lift my voice. I'll stand up for millennials. I'll, I'll stand up for the disenfranchised. I'll stand up for marriages. I'll, I'll stand up for the hopeless. I'll stand up for those that are depressed. I'll stand up for those that are broken. I'll stand up for those that feel forgotten. I'll stand up for those that feel like nobody's on their side. I'll, I'll be the one to, to stand up, but be ready. Just be ready. It's not personal. It's progress. Whenever you feel people are beginning to push against you, it's progress. <laughs> it's not personal. They, do it to, they did it to Jesus. Jesus showed up on the scene, and he is loving people who have uh, traditionally been unloved. He is touching people who traditionally have been untouched. Jesus is honoring women when women have not been honored. Jesus is a man on a mission, and he is so against the norm that people call him the devil. If they call Jesus the devil, what do you think they're going to do with you? <laughs> they said Jesus was a drunk. Now, some of us, that's true. <laughs> Glad you're here. Jesus loves you. Welcome to the family. We're all broken in some way. 
They called Jesus a drunk because he was breaking the norm. He was breaking the norm. He was breaking the norm. People walk into our church all the time. I'm so glad uh, I, this is not about me. This is about the goodness and the grace of God that we keep breaking the norm. How in the world did white people and black people and Hispanic people and Asian people and old people and young people, how in the world does this church look? We're breaking the norm. You're in the South. You can't have a church like this. Your wife's name is Onika. She needs a name like Sarah. No, 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 no. She can be Onika, big O, hot mama, piece of sexy dark chocolate that she is. She can be herself. I can, Earl, you're too loud. Earl, you're too excited. Earl, you give, to, I'm sorry, this is who I am, how God made me. You, you can't be that and have a church like this. I'm sorry. All I know how to be is me, and God just keeps breaking the north. They'll try to silence me, but I'm not going to be silenced. I just am so glad that God is birthing a church and saying we get to make it on earth as it is in heaven. This is not about how great we are, but how great our God is. He's so faithful. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. You got to be ready for people to say, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't go here. You can't do, you're too, you're too much of a woman. You're too much of a man. You're too tall. You're too short. You only have your GED. You have your PhD. You're too, you're too poor. Oh, you're actually too rich. You're actually too influential. You're not influential enough. Is what the crowd will try to do to you. Don't think you're something special. <laughs> it's just what happens to those that are trying to change things. So here the crowd is just trying to silence this man, but he, he won't stop. I like him. I like blind Bartimaeus. He, he won't stop. I think too many of us give up too quick. It's too easy for someone to knock us off course. It's too easy for someone to say, you need to go another direction. First time someone gives us some bad information, we go another direction. But I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that is saying, I want to be like Jesus. He shouts all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy, 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 have mercy, have mercy. Have mercy, have mercy on me. Of all the words he could have used, have, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. It reminds me of Lamentations uh, chapter 3. If you have uh, your Bibles, you can look at this verse right here. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his, what's the word? Mercies never come to an end. They are actually new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. So they're new every morning. So that means every time I go to bed and I wake up, there's new mercy. 
That means every time I put my head on the pillow and I get another day, there's new mercy for that day. Are you telling me that I can not exhaust the mercy of God? Are you telling me that God's mercy is able to go further than my sin is able to go? Are you telling me that his mercy can reach deeper than my darkest pain? Are you telling me that the mercies of God are new every morning, that his faithfulness is actually great? It's not small. It's not insignificant. It's great. It's great. It's great. Now, now you need to know that mercy and grace, they're almost two sides of the same coin. And sometimes they can get a little bit mixed up. But grace, grace is you getting something that, that you actually don't deserve. But you see, mercy is you not getting something that you do deserve. So blind Bartimaeus here is, is, is kind of saying, I know I'm blind and I've been shunned. They tell me I'm dirty. They tell me I'm less than. They tell me I don't measure up. They tell me I don't deserve worth or value or honor. They tell me that I should be disenfranchised. They tell me that I should be ostracized. They tell me that I should be marginalized. They tell me that I belong here. So I don't deserve what I'm asking. But, but I'm hoping that you, in your mercy, will give me something that I cannot get for myself. Do you remember? Do you remember when we were reading earlier? Jesus said this. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus actually shows up on the scene here, ready to bring hope and life and restoration. That's the reason Jesus is on this planet, for the glory of God, to set everything right. He is here to give his life away, and now he hears in the middle of the crowd that is surrounding him a man that is willing to ask him for the very thing Jesus came to give. He came to give hope and Bartimaeus is looking for hope. Jesus came to give new life and Bartimaeus is looking for new life. He came to give freedom, and Bartimaeus is looking for freedom. There's this magic that happens. There is this synergy that happens. There's this beauty that happens when you and I are actually looking for the very thing that Jesus Christ came to give. And when you ask him for what he came to give, that's when miracles can happen time and time and time and time and time again. So if you find yourself blind right now, and you're looking for sight. You actually are connected with the one that came to give you the very thing that he was hoping to pour into this world. Uh, um, Hannah Scott, uh, Hannah and Andrew, they're our campus pastors here uh, at White Rock, and Hannah loves to cook. Loves. She's like a chef. And Truth be told, I mean, she just cooked her way onto staff. I just, 
Her meals were so amazing, and her hospitality gift, she just literally reminded me uh, of my wife, because my wife is a fantastic chef as well, and, and is so hospitable, and I remember when they first came, and, and they came from Guatemala, and we sat with them, and the meals, they were absolutely fantastic. Well, the good news is for her, I love to eat. She loves to cook. Synergy. When a musician loves to play and you love music, synergy. When you like to fix problems in an organization and you find out that there's lots of problems in your organization, synergy. There's something that happens when the person who likes to give something is connected with someone who needs to receive and wants to receive from a pure place, the very thing that they're wanting to give. I'm telling you that because your Savior is who he is, you cannot exhaust his mercy and you cannot exhaust his power and you cannot exhaust his truth and you cannot exhaust his love and you cannot exhaust his grace and you cannot exhaust all that he has for you. He has an endless vat of hope and joy and peace and life and all he says is come, surrender. Surrender. Be willing to, to get over your pride. Surrender. Be willing to admit that you don't have it all together. Surrender. Be willing to admit that you can't be your own savior. Surrender. Be willing to admit that the pornography is too strong for you. Surrender. Be willing to admit that the anxiety is too much for you. And surrender. Be willing to admit that the financial struggle is just too much for you. And, and surrender. And if you and I are willing to say, God, I'm not God. You're God. I'm, I'm not the one that this thing starts with and ends with. It starts and ends with you. If you're willing to get into that place, there's a, there's a synergy, a miracle can happen in that place. So here is blind Bartimaeus. And I wish I had time to get into him throwing off his cloak. I wish I had time to get into all the beautiful nuances of this passage of Scripture. But I, I just want to end with this. I want to end in verse 46 and in verse 52. You see similar thoughts. In verse 46, you see that this blind man was by the side of the road. And then later on, you see that he's healed and he's now walking whole on the very road where he used to beg. I was studying this and I, I felt I had to close my eyes just to try to feel for a moment what it would be like to be this man. I, I, I know my house, so it wasn't the best place to, to try this. Because I know where chairs are and I, I know where the table is. But imagine you're in a spot you don't know. And this is where some of you right now are in your singleness. And this is even where you are in your marriage. And this is where you are in your career. Just don't know exactly quite where everything is. 
but you've heard a bunch of commotion about this man. And now you hear that people are whispering, Jesus is here, Jesus is here, Jesus is here, Jesus is here. And, and you want to open your eyes and you want to touch him, but, but you don't know if you can get up and run the direction because you don't know what you might trip over. You don't know what you might fall into. So all you know to do, all you know to do is just say, Jesus, would you help me? Jesus, just just help me. I, I know all my friends think my life is all together, but Jesus, you know what's going on on the inside of me. Would you help me, Jesus? I know I have a nice car and I have a nice house, but Jesus, would you help me? I, your eyes are closed because you can't. I can't see as well as everybody thinks I can see. I, I can't. I don't know my way as well as everyone thinks I know my way. If they knew how much I, I, I'd stumbled, if they knew how unsure of myself I really was, maybe they wouldn't follow me. But Jesus, 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 I think you can help me. Jesus, I think you can help me in my marriage. I think you can help me with my kids. I think you can help me with my school. I think you can help me be the follower of Christ that I want to be. I think, I think you can help me, Jesus, son of David. Just have, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy on me. And it's in on this road where he's been begging, on this road where he's been struggling, on this road where things he's felt lost, on this road where he's been marginalized, on this road where he's felt empty. It's on this very road that his eyes are open. I didn't even know where I was standing. Where his eyes were open. And now he begins to follow on the road where he was once a beggar. Uh, those who go to Bishop Arts, you uh, maybe have never been to the, to the White Rock campus, which is great. Stay there. We, we, we're, gl we're glad you're there. Antigua, you probably not either, obviously, but, but we're on Garland Road here. When my wife and I started this church six years ago, it was on Garland Road that we had one of the, the darkest moments in our life. And I will not get into all the details of it, but police were involved, and there was so much agony and we hadn't even officially launched the church yet. We were just in like Bible study phases, just meeting people, shaking hands, loving people in the community, trying to serve and trying to get this church off the ground. It's on Garland Road, just, just down the road from here. Not even a mile. That we're surrounded by drama. And here is God. He's put us back on the same Garland Road. But this time we're not surrounded by drama. This time we're surrounded by revival. Sometimes 
God brings you back to the place that you once were, but he just brings you back better than you were there last time. So I feel like I'm identifying with Bartimaeus going, yeah, I, I remember I used to sit there. I remember the tears from that season in life, but now I'm whole. Now the grace of God has carried me and his mercies that are new every morning have brought me to a place I could have never seen on my own. This is what our Savior does. He makes all things new. He fixes things that are broken. He takes sinners and turns them into saints. He takes the lost and he finds them. And those that are blind, my friends, he surely helps us. See, I am with you and I say I'm going to shout for the rest of my life because my hope is not found in anything else in this world. My hope is found in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy. If you wouldn't mind, church family, do me a favor. Here, Bishop Arts Antigua, bow your heads just for a moment. Bow your heads just for a moment. If you're here today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first in your life. You've heard this message today, but you would be honest with yourself, and you would say your heart is not surrendered to Jesus. I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm not asking, have you been to church? I'm not asking, were you baptized as a child? I'm asking, is Jesus number one in your life? Have you surrendered everything to him? Put another way, you would say you're on the driver's seat of your car. Christ is not. And today is the day for you to turn, repent, go from the direction you're going to get on his path. Go his direction. If that's you, under the sound of my voice today, whether you're here or you, wherever you may be, I want you in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something incredibly bold. I'm literally going to ask you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. I rededicate my life to serving him. This is a moment for, of a brand new start for you. Ready? On the count of three, just shoot that hand in the air. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air. Yep, you're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to, I want to put him first in my life. Individuals are putting their hands up. They're saying, yes, that's me. I, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I don't want to be on my own path. I want to be on his path. I, I don't want to live my life for my glory. I want to surrender it all to him. I'm going to ask every person to do me a favor. Every person of the sound of my voice, put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I sure hope your heart was encouraged by today's message. Just so you know, we are in your corner cheering you on and trusting for God to do great things in your heart and in your life. You can listen to this message as many times as you need to. We're not going anywhere, but even more importantly, 
God's grace isn't going anywhere. So I'm glad to be on this journey together. We love you so much, and we're praying for you. God bless.